Well, welcome to Genesis. Don't know where to stand yet. It's pretty exciting to see uh, everyone here. Um, it's kind of a crazy day for you guys because you've got to find out where you're going to sit moving forward. I know people don't like having their chairs uh, rearranged, but I, I hope you get a, a good seat uh, moving forward. Thanks, Jason. Um, for those of you who know me, I'm pretty emotional. For those of you who don't, I'm pretty emotional. And uh, let me just pray. God, you're uh, an absolutely amazing uh, God. God, uh, we're certainly excited uh, over how you have provided um, a space uh, such as this that you've entrusted to our care. Uh, But God, beyond a building, beyond this space, uh, you're just an amazing God. No one like you that you would set your affection on any of us, but you have. And uh, in all humility and all gratitude, we just say thank you. God, thank you for being God. Thank you for being good. Thank you for being kind and gracious and loving and faithful. And as we just sang again and again and again, we celebrate uh, your faithfulness. Uh, You have been so faithful uh, to us uh, as a community Just the fact that we're sitting here on Sunday, June 2nd, is a testimony to uh, how you care, how you provide, and your unending, relentless faithfulness towards your people. Uh, So we love you. Uh, We are excited to celebrate you, Jesus, uh, to make much of you, and I pray uh, that's exactly what we will continue to do uh, in this place. I pray that, Jesus, your name. Amen. Um, It would be, there's so many people that uh, have just poured uh, so much time and energy and effort and resources and talents and uh, into getting this space ready. Um, It was 46 days ago uh, where uh, my friend Todd Rotundi, uh, there was a wall that used to be right there. You can see the sprinkler heads. Uh, There was three offices right there, and it was on uh, April 18th, which is 46 days ago, that we first put a a big hammer, a sledgehammer to that wall and began uh, demolition. And then the very next day, there was a wall roughly about right here, 16 feet high, went to the back of that wall. And uh, in about the next day and a half, that wall came down. Uh, And it's been absolutely amazing to see uh, a space such as this, which was just, if you saw it before, uh, was an empty warehouse that was pretty beat up, slab concrete everywhere. uh, And it was a mess. Uh, But God, when we walked in, said, this is your home. This is a place that I provided for you. And over the last uh, 46 days, it's been amazing to see the amount of people that God's raised up uh, to make Sunday, June 2nd possible. So um, thank you. I just wanted to say thanks to all of you who gave. Uh, again, resources, finances, time, talent. Uh, there's people who spent here, spent taking days and, and weeks off just to get this space ready. So I just wanted to say thank you uh, for giving like you gave. 
So for 46 days, uh, I think I've been here every single day over the past 46 days and loving it, but I've been praying a lot, uh, God, Lord willing, if everything comes together and not just the space itself, but if we would be granted the necessary permits that we need to actually start meeting here, which there was a lot of permits that we needed. Uh, God, on Sunday, June 2nd, uh, what is it that you would want me to talk about? Um, Because I I comb scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, trying to find, is there like a story or a text that goes perfectly with like when you get a new space? Like that's the story you talk about and preach from. And um, I I couldn't find any uh, stories that related to that. Uh, But what I did find is any time in scripture, again, both Old and New Testament, that uh, a community was entering into a season of transition, uh, I noted, uh, again, both Old and New Testament two specific things happened. Uh, And when I'm talking about a season of transition, it could be simply uh, a leadership transition. Someone new is is raised up that God has called to serve, or someone is on the verge of dying to go be with God, uh, and a new leader is being raised up in their place. Or it could be literally entering into a new land or a space that God has called them to. It could be uh, when the temple was built uh, back in a few thousand years ago, any time a sea or community entered into a season of transition, I noticed two things uh, that would happen, and this is pretty consistent, is that uh, there would be a leader within the community who would pray. A leader within the community who would stand up and pray, who would call out to God, cry out to God on behalf of the people of God, that God would continue to do great things and be large in their midst. And then the second thing is the, the leader within the community would give a very specific charge or challenge. Uh, in many ways, I really feel like we are a community in transition, and not because we're in a new space. That's clearly, that's just geography. We've just moved literally about seven-tenths of a mile down the street. Uh, so being in a new space is going to create uh, cer- certainly a sense of transition, but the transition that I really feel like God has us in uh, as a community is that God is... Uh, I really feel like God is uh, on the verge of doing some amazing things in our midst. And the image uh, that I got as I was thinking about this was um, a friend of mine, uh, this is now uh, 15 and a half, 16 years ago, uh, when I was uh, engaged and getting ready to get married, said, Michael, uh, I know you'll probably just end up taking your your future wife to Chipotle for your honeymoon, so uh, I want to send you guys wherever you want to go in the entire world. And uh, I was like, all right, well, you don't have to tell me that twice. I want to go to Maui. And so we went to Maui. And we had uh, almost 10 days in Maui uh, because someone was just crazy generous to us. And I wanted to go to Maui specifically because I love beaches, I love waves, and I love big waves. But I'd never been to Maui. And I never had seen so many big waves. And I remember day after day, uh, Kyla would just sit on the beach and and I was just playing and jumping and diving in these waves. And then I'd stop and turn around. And I'm like, did you see that what I just did in that wave? Every day for 10 days on the beach, just diving and playing uh, in these massive, massive waves. And the image that I, I feel like God gave to me was, uh, Michael, the waves of my grace are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger And I'm inviting this entire community to start playing in the big waves that I'm going to be sending uh, your way. 
So this is a transition being in a new space, but the transition that I see and that I really feel like God is inviting us into is a transition where the waves of his grace uh, are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So much so, what I think God wants to do in our midst, I wrote it down uh, like this, is that we would enter into the season of transition where our testimony would be only because God is in our midst. That we would start seeing things happen with us, around us, and through us, and the only thing that we could possibly say in response would simply be only because God is in our midst. That we would see waves and waves and waves of people meeting Jesus for the very first time ever. And our response would simply, well, only because God's in our midst. We would see people who used to know Jesus or used to be part of a church community, used to have a relationship with God, but somewhere along the way just got jaded or hurt or burned out, starting to come back and embrace and enjoy Christ's love for them. And our testimony simply would be only because God is in our midst. We would see people starting to really hate sin, like despise it, detest it. And when people ask, what is going on? Only because God is in our midst. We would see people looking a lot less like ourselves and a lot more like Jesus. And our testimony, well, only because God is in our midst. We would see people giving generously of their time and their talent, their treasure, people serving sacrificially, people being gracious and caring and kind and compassionate and loving one another. We'd see families change. We'd see husbands and wives. Why? All of this incredible... Because God is in our midst. And so the season of transition that I think God is inviting us into has little to do with a building, but has more to do with the waves that God is inviting us to play in. And I think they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as we go. And so as I mentioned earlier in Scripture, when people entered into a season of uh, transition, a season of change, two things happened. They prayed. And then there was a message or a, a challenge or a charge to the people. Here are a few examples of some prayers that leaders prayed when the community was about to enter into a season of transition. This is Moses. He says this in Deuteronomy 33, towards the end of his life, he's getting ready to go be with God and Joshua has taken over. There is no one like the God of Israel. He rides across the heavens to help you, across the skies in majestic splendor. The eternal God is our refuge and his, ever, and his everlasting arms are around you. This is King David's prayer when he was being anointed over all of king of Israel. He said in 2 Samuel, How great you are, O sovereign Lord, there is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. Solomon, his young son, when he was completing uh, the, uh, the building of the temple and the people were about to move in, uh, this is what Solomon prayed. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven above or on the earth below. You keep your covenant, showing unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. Daniel, at the end of his life, this was his prayer. O Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. The list goes on and on. That's just four examples. But did you catch the theme of everyone who was praying in the midst of a season of transition and change? Their, their prayer was simply, God, there is no one who is like you. 
There is no one who cares. There is no one who is loving. There is no one who is everlasting and sovereign and all-powerful and all-present and merciful and kind and faithful. God, there is absolutely no one like you. So this morning I want to pray. If we are entering into a season of transition where God is inviting our community, not to a space, but to play in his waves of grace that are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, where our testimony is just simply only because God is in our midst, then I want to pray. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to just leave time uh, to be quiet and silent, and just quietly where you're sitting, offer up your prayers to God as well. Because I really believe this is not just an invitation for a few of us, this is an invitation for all of us to jump in God's great ocean and just be amazed, enamored with the waves of his grace and kindness. So Father God, we love you. There is no God who is like you. There is no God who is like you. There is no God who is as faithful as you. There's no God who is as kind as you. God, you have been good. You have provided. God, none of us in this space right now have to be confused as to how you feel about us. You love. You've set your affection. You demonstrated your love in Jesus. God, I give thanks that you have not invited us to walk alone, but to walk with you. God, I give thanks that you are a God who gives us purpose and meaning. God, you are a God who gives us life. Not one of us has to go through another day wondering why we're here. We're here for you. To know you, to walk with you, to enjoy you, to worship you, to glorify you. So God, as we enter into this season of transition, I just ask, God, I would just beg that you would make these waves huge. And there would be so much joy and laughter and celebration as we watch wave of grace and wave of grace. Testimony after testimony after testimony of lives getting changed, people meeting Jesus, people returning to Jesus, people repenting from sin, people looking more and more like your son. God, would you do these things in our midst? God, I pray that in the coming days, the waves would get bigger. And next week, bigger and bigger and bigger. And our testimony, whether we gather here on Sundays in community groups throughout the week, our testimony to those that we would see and speak with would be God is in our midst. God is in our midst. So God, continue to have your way. Continue to have your way. God, do great things. Do great things. For your kingdom. For your kingdom. I pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. There was always a time of prayer. And then there was a challenge. And what's pretty interesting about the challenge, uh, after there was a time of prayer, uh, whoever the leader would be, 
they would get up and challenge the people. And the message was pretty simple. The message throughout old and new was stop sinning. Stop sinning. Start serving God. Start obeying God. And do not forget the great things that God has done. Time and time and time and again, stop sinning. Be obedient to God. Walk with God and do not forget God. Do not forget the great things that God has done. A few examples from Moses. This is Deuteronomy. This is the charge, the command that he's giving. This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you to understand, and it is not beyond your reach. I love how he says that because that's Moses' way of saying this is doable. This is not some high lofty command that you have no idea what it means. It's really simple. And he goes on to say, no, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips, in your heart, so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I am walking, or today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you uh, and listen, uh, and bless you in the land that you are uh, to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long, good life in the land you are crossing to the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. What an amazing charge. It's pretty simple. Choose life, and life is in loving God. Life is found in obeying God. And I love how he's bold enough to say, if you choose life, it's going to go great. You're going to enjoy the blessing of God on all that you do. But I love that he loved them enough to say, listen, if you don't, if you choose not to obey God, if you choose not to love God and choose to love other things, lesser things, it won't work. It won't go well with you. That was the charge he gave them, choose life. This is the charge from Joshua, the one who took over uh, for Moses at the end of his life and entering into a new season of transition. So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right to the left. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. Again, it was a simple charge. Figure out who you're going to serve and serve. And Joshua goes on later to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. So as he was exiting, as it were, at the end of his life, and the, tra- the community was going to transition from leadership beyond Joshua, he, his message was, serve God. Serve God with all of your heart. One more, this is from Samuel. This is at the very end of Samuel, who was a prophet, end of his life. He says, do not be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong, but make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. I love how he says, you've totally been doing wrong, but God's not given up. 
So stop what you have been doing and giving your heart affections to lesser things and give your heart to the great I am, to greater things. Again, the list could be long about the messages uh, in time of transition, but it was pretty simple. Stop sinning, serve God, and don't forget who God is and the great things that God has done. So that would be my charge for you. And again, as I've just been praying over the past 46 days, God, I just ask that you would give me something to say that would be from you, that would be used by you to encourage people. There are two specific things, and this is not necessarily uh, as much as a, a challenge as it is really an invitation, maybe even a reminder. And it's just two things, and I'll finish with this. The first thing I really sense the Lord wanted me to share with you as a charge invitation was simply this. God is an amazing God who wants you to see him do amazing things. God is an amazing God who wants you to see him do amazing things. So here's a question for you. When's the last time you said, that was amazing what God just did? When's the last time you punctuated a sentence, a paragraph, a thought with just that, that phrase? That was amazing what God just did. I think if we're honest, a lot of us punctuate sentences with, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool, I think, what God just did right there. And that's really code for it really wasn't all that amazing because actually I had a lot to do with it. And I think what God is inviting us into is this phrase, God is an amazing God who wants you and me to see him do amazing things. I think, maybe this is not true for everyone, but I think by and large we lack the testimony of amazing because we're just simply not asking God to do amazing. We're not asking God to do amazing. And so a challenge or a charge in this point would simply be this. Begin to ask God to do amazing in your life. That's it. Let today be the day where you start simply asking God, would you do amazing in my life? And really, this is coming from Paul's prayer at the end of Ephesians chapter 3 when he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask for, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So start asking God to do immeasurably more and watch God do immeasurably more. If you want to have a testimony that punctuates sentences with, that was amazing what God just did, start asking for amazing. And I believe that you and I will have a testimony of, it is amazing what God's doing in my house right now. It's amazing what God's doing with my husband or what God's doing with my wife. It's amazing what God's doing with my kids. It's amazing what God is doing in my neighborhood right now. It's amazing what God's doing in my workplace. It's amazing what God's doing with friends of mine who have no idea who Jesus is. It's amazing what God's doing in my community group. It's amazing what God's doing with the men and women that I'm serving with. Again and again and again, it is amazing what God's doing. And this is the challenge, invitation. I think God is an amazing God who wants you to see him do amazing things. So let's start asking for amazing. And I know that God will answer the amazing. Do you know why? Well, because scripture says, this is what Paul said uh, at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able. He's able. So I don't think we don't see amazing 
because God can't or God won't. I just don't think we're asking. Now, some of you may have the, the thought, I did ask. Well, keep asking. Every single day, keep asking that God would do amazing in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood with your friends who have no idea who Jesus is. Go to God on their behalf and ask, God, would you do amazing? And what I love about Ephesians 3.20 is you cannot out-ask God. You cannot come up with something that God cannot do. What is amazing to you, God will say, I can do more. And I will show you more so that you will learn how to ask for even bigger, even greater, even more amazing things. That's number one. God is an amazing God who wants you to see him do amazing things. Number two would be this. God desires all of us to experience more of him in all of us all of the time. Bit of a tongue twister. God desires all of us to experience more of him in all of us all of the time. This is really coming from, I feel like one of the things that God's been teaching me over the last 46 days is uh, Romans eight eleven says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. He lives in you. Now, my challenge or conviction with that verse is if the Spirit of God really lives in me, then one would think my life would look radically different. And if you're a Christian, meaning you're a follower of Jesus, you place your faith in him, well, Scripture promises that you have the Holy Spirit too. And if you have the Spirit of God living within you, one would think that your life would be radically different than the lives of those around you. Lives not marked with worry and anxiety and fear and freaking out all the time, but lives marked with contentment, lives marked with joy, lives marked with compassion and forgiveness and grace. So much so when someone hurts you, wrongs you, offends you, you don't hold it against you. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in you, and the Spirit of God who is gracious, forgiving, kind, compassionate to you is enabling you to do that same for, for those around you. So God desires all of us to experience more of him in all of us all of the time. Question, how is he who lives in you making a difference in how you live? How is he who lives in you making a difference in how you live? And this is where I feel like this is the challenge. It's an invitation, but it's also a challenge. How is the Spirit of God who resides in you making a difference in how you live on a day-to-day basis? In every moment, every conversation, every interaction, how is the Spirit of God who does live inside you making a difference in how you live? Uh, Francis Chan uh, wrote a great book uh, called Forgotten God. And he said this, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this by my own power. I want to live in such a way that I am desperate for him to come through. I believe he is calling me, calling all of us to depend on him for living in a way that cannot be mimicked or forged. That's another way of just saying, I want to live in such a way where you can't make this stuff up. The things that are happening with me, around me, through me, The things that I'm just seeing, you can't make these stories up. And it just goes back to the very beginning. How? Well, because God. God is in me. God is in our midst. 
and he's doing amazing things. Just repeat that question one more time. How is he who lives in you making a difference in how you live? I'm convinced that God's inviting us to, to live lives that are explainable only because the Spirit of God is at work. So this is the challenge specifically with this one. Stop trying and just start receiving. Because it would be easy to hear this, like, I'm going to get all fired up, and I'm just going to go work harder, I'm going to go believe more, and I'm just going to go, 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 and just work, work, work. And the thought is, as I do that, somehow God's going to reward me with more of his presence, with more of his power. And my challenge to you, to me, is just stop trying and just start receiving. That's it. You don't have to try to get something from God. If God, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have the Spirit of God already within you. So don't work for something you've already been given as a free gift. Just receive that. I love how the Apostle Paul uh, said in First Corinthians or Colossians chapter one. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given. We want to present them to God, perfect in the relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard. What? Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So when I say stop trying, that's not a call just to be lazy and sit around and just wait for the Spirit of God to lift your feet up and just float into every conversation you ever have. No, it's, it's work. You work hard, but you don't work hard in the flesh. You work the Spirit, how the Spirit of God has empowered you. So as I mentioned a few moments back, for 46 days, a nagging question, kind of that splinter in your mind question, that God's just kept bringing me back to is, Michael, how much of what you're doing right now, how much of what you're doing is really being done by you, and how much are, is being done by me at work uh, through you. And to be honest with you, there was way too much me. Way too much. You get into that zone and that grind, you got to get it done, got to get it done, got to get it done. And it just becomes flesh upon flesh upon flesh. And God was gracious. And Michael, how much of what you're doing are you just doing in your own strength? God is not opposed to hard work. He calls us to work hard, but not on our own. He calls us to work in the spirit and the power that he has given us. Anytime a community went through transition, there was a time of prayer, and then there was a challenge. And the challenge that I really just felt compelled and convinced that God wanted me to share with you was God's an amazing God, and he wants you to see him do amazing things. And God desires all of us to experience more of him in all of us all of the time.